Athletic Brewing. I cracked open an Upside Dawn Golden Athletic Brew. And let me say this, no matter what you're looking for in a great non-alcoholic beer, the answer is always athletic. Great flavor, it's athletic. Award-winning styles, it's athletic. Huge variety, it's athletic. Fit for all times. That's a registered trademark, guys. Enjoy them anytime, anywhere, without ever slowing down your summer. Beach days, music festivals, swim meets, camping, late nights, early mornings, literally wherever summer takes you. And here's the best part to me, zero hangovers the next day. Mm -hmm. This summer, ask for the only non-alcoholic beer or brew you need to know, Athletic. Head to askforathletic.com to find it near you and use code TA2024 to get 15% off your first online order. That's code TA2024 at checkout for 15% off your first order. Near beer. Exclusions and conditions apply. Athletic Brewing Company. Fit for all times. You are now tuned into anything potable, the most honorable, the most audible. Hold the applause like Paul Pierce. Welcome to Athletics Potable, the Boston Celtics podcast here on the Athletic Podcast Network. I am your host, Sam Jam Packard, professional sports fan. And I am joined, as always, by the kid, the god, the legend himself, Celtics beat reporter from The Athletic, Jay King. Ladies and gentlemen, we are coming to you. Middle of the week, uh, we know this is before the Celtics take on the Cavs tonight, so who knows what happens in that game. It might change everything we say in this podcast, but we're gonna, hopefully going to be uh, talking a little bit more universally uh, about what's going on in the world of the Celtics. But the biggest news uh, that is happening right now is the Celtics have brought back ISO Joe. Joe Johnson signed playing tonight against the Cleveland Cavaliers. Jay... Did you see this one coming? No, absolutely <laughs> not. The dude hasn't played in the NBA since 2017-18. Like, that was Kyrie's first year with the Celtics. That was when Kyrie and Gordon Hayward got hurt and Jason Tatum was a rookie and the Celtics went to the Eastern Conference Finals with Terry Rozier as their point guard. That was... So long ago that ISO Joe's last game in the NBA, last regular season game, he played against the Kings, and they had Vince Carter and Zach Randolph. Whew. Maybe we can bring them back. <laughs> like, like. <laughs> so, no, no, I did not see the ISO Joe Johnson teaming back up with Al Horford in the year 2022. It's, it's a wild, wild, wild time in the NBA right now. And... It's it's really a shame that a lot of people are sick, but but it has given us at least Joe Johnson and C.J. Miles on the Celtics. C.J. Miles is another one. Yeah, like the, there's a reason that they're kind of bringing these guys uh, out of retirement, and we're just seeing like so many people getting called up. Tremont Waters got signed by the Raptors the other day. Like it's because so many players in the NBA are now in health and safety protocols. It's kind of uh, ridiculous. They're canceling a bunch of games left and right. Um, the NBA, obviously, uh, they are a business. They're going to try and continue to uh, just move on. They created all these rules. So allowing the Celtics and other teams to go out and, you know, pick up extra guys and keep on going, uh, just like I don't I guess I'm not really surprised that they just don't want to cancel games or slow down the season. But uh, like is is signing people like Joe Johnson or other guys who've most recently been in the big three. Is that really like the best solution here? Where is Darius Miles? <laughs> he hosts a podcast with Ben Richardson. He, he, used, he used to play for the Celtics, too, just like Joe Johnson, sort of. Did, did he even play any regular season games? I don't know. They, they might have cut him before the season. But it's just, yeah. I, I mean, they made the decision that they're going to not stop pretty much no matter what. And, like, I don't know how much percent of the league has COVID, but 
it is it is not a small percentage right now. There are a lot of players in health and safety protocols. The Celtics have seven, including their two-way players. They also have Robert Williams, who was out last game for personal reasons. They are just in kind of dire straits regarding like the the depth deep down in their roster. But they, I mean, they haven't used CJ Miles yet. They haven't used Justin Jackson. Are we going <laughs> to actually get to see Joe Johnson? Are we going to actually get to see him play in another NBA game? I I think so. They, if you don't, if you only have like eight or nine guys on the roster, you're going to need someone to just come in, even if it's just for like six minutes here or there. Uh, I think there's a, a good chance we see both of them in this uh, Cleveland Cavaliers game, and it's. It's an interesting situation because I think last year uh, the Celtics were at a pretty serious disadvantage just in terms of games missed due to COVID. I think Tatum was clearly affected by it. Um, and there were a number of teams that uh, felt like they had a, a lot worse kind of COVID-related uh, games missed. But right now it's like each – it feels like every team in the league is just like, all right, pick your eight guys who are, who are – good to go and we'll go up against our eight guys who are good to go. And I don't know what it means for the basketball. Like I uh, wasn't able to watch the, the Celtics 76ers game, but I tuned in while I was uh, studying or I like looked up the box score and I saw that freedom was starting. And I just go, Oh, well then there's just absolutely nothing we can like really take from this game. Like no, I don't know. Start, but he shadowed Joel Embiid's minutes. Which means Ennis Freedom, for the fourth time in his career, played more than 40 minutes in an NBA basketball game. Is Was Bruno really that bad of an option? Like, they just absolutely could not put Bruno Fernando on him? I what? feel like if you put Bruno Fernando or any not large man against Joel Embiid, it's just going to be foul city. You know, like even Robert Williams last year, Remember his first start against Embiid, and he picked up three fouls in, like, 30 seconds? I feel like that's that's what you risk if you put somebody else on on Joel Embiid, like a Bruno Fernando type that maybe you don't necessarily have full trust in. And Cantor, for all his flaws defensively, and he has plenty, he's not terrible in the post. Like, he's not a bad post defender. He's not the worst Joel Embiid option you can run out there. He is large. I'll give him until, that. He is a large fellow. Until Joel Embiid starts hitting all mid-range, and then all bets are off. And he uh, he did not have too much trouble with Mr. Freedom's defense. And so not I'm not too surprised. Like I said, I didn't see the game. What, what did I miss? Like, what did, what did any uh, Celtics fans or what did you learn – from the Celtics playing the 76ers, I saw that freedom was starting. I saw that the Celtics kind of collapsed late, uh, giving up like I think it was like an 18 to six run to close the game. They still had Tatum, Brown, and Smart, Dennis. Like they should have a pretty formidable team. What 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 are the main takeaways from Tuesday? Other than it's hard to stop Joel Embiid. Uh, it's hard to stop Joel Embiid, and it's harder when Al Horford is out. Is is definitely true. Horford's one of the few guys who can sort of control him. Um, Seth Curry's really good. That is another takeaway. Not not, not he can he can make good. shots. Did he make a bunch of shots? Because that sounds oh, like yeah, something yeah. Seth Curry would do. Oh yeah, Seth Curry was not cold. And then Peyton Pritchard, another good game for him. He is starting to find himself again. I feel like I feel like P. Rab is back. Um, P-Rab just didn't sound like a good – uh, I didn't like that. P-Rabbit? I know that people called him it, but it just didn't make make it okay. Uh, but he did – he said a good games. Uh, thought he did some good things against the Warriors, good things against the Knicks. I'm just trying to figure out, like, where this team is since we last talked. We, like, those three games have happened. I thought the Celtics put up a pretty impressive effort against the Warriors, um, especially after a first quarter, and they were kind of killed by – um, mostly the Ennis minutes, and uh, but I thought it was like a pretty solid game against the Warriors. Decent performance against the Knicks, um, but here we are, like solid performances, I guess, in those two games. I guess they uh, 
whatever happened in the in the COVID fest on Tuesday or Monday night. I'm just trying to figure out where we evaluate this team because right now you look at the standings, they're still in I think like ninth place, one game under 500, and so. The league is all, all the, the entire league is kind of going through just the kind of a craziness right now. It's going to be hard to evaluate what's going on with everything. But at what point does the, do the Celtics start like stringing together basketball like wins? I mean, we know, we knew it was going to be a pretty tough December just based on the schedule. Um, but like, what is this team and what, what can we like take away from what they've been able to do over the last week, which is, I guess, go one and two. Yeah. I think the, the December part, the tough December part, is part of the reason why it's so frustrating for Celtics fans to see a collapse like the other night against Philadelphia. Because it's been a tough month. It was always going to be a tough month. You looked at the schedule, it was like, wow, a lot of road games. Wow, a lot of playoff competition. And then add on top of that, sprinkle on top of that, like a bunch of health and safety protocols and Jalen being out for a while. And, like, you have a mixture for a very difficult month. That said, like, they're up 97-90 with four minutes left and just kind of fall apart from there. The offense, it was like turnover, turnover, stalled possession. It was just, it was bad. Was it the same, just kind of like the offense didn't know what to do in down the stretch? And it was like Tatum takes a tough shot, then maybe J- Jalen Brown takes a tough shot? Yeah, yeah. sort of. Um, or this time they sprinkled in some turnovers too. Oh, uh, they, no, they do that job from time to time. That's one of their, their go-to moves in, in the clutch. They, they didn't play um, Dennis Schroeder down the stretch, which was interesting. Good. Because he's normally been in the closing line. But I don't know whether it was a – um, just because he was coming back and I don't know whether he, his minutes were restricted or, or whether it was that, or they just went away from him. Um, uh, but they played Peyton Pritchard some down the stretch. They played Romeo Langford some down the stretch. They played Ennis Cantor all the way down the stretch. Um, and so, yeah, I don't know what to take from all these weird games where both teams have so many guys out and it's just kind of, so much attrition all the way around the league. Um, but, like, for two years now, the Celtics have been 500 or right around 500. And I do think, you know, once once December ends and the schedule lightens up a little bit, they'll start to string together more wins, especially if they can get healthy, if they can get Grant Williams, Al Horford, Josh Richardson back. Like Those those guys are a big deal. And if, if there is a good – Thing to have so many guys out for as long as they have been. Peyton Pritchard has seemingly turned his season around, um, or at least you know it, it, there's a chance he's turned his season around. He's strung together two of his best games all season, so that could be a big deal for them. And I think that could factor into whether they actually do trade Dennis Schroeder before the deadline, which I think is going to be maybe the biggest storyline around the Celtics entering the deadline? It's definitely the biggest question, and it is gets back to where I wanted the Celtics to be at the start of the season. I remember I said that the, ideally we would evolve past the need for Dennis. Peyton Pritchard would be filling those kind of backup point guard minutes, and you could trade Dennis uh, at the I, trade I deadline. Think, I ideally they would just bench him, right? Like, no, I, I think I was advocating for it. so a, delicately. <laughs> I think uh, I, I was advocating for a trade for Dennis. But either way, I wanted Peyton Pritchard to get those minutes. Um, you mentioned them going away from Dennis a little bit. That certainly seemed to be the case. I don't think, he didn't play against the um, Warriors, but they didn't close against the uh, Knicks. And it's interesting that he's kind of – he clearly felt like he had a – or I guess, I guess he didn't play against the Knicks either. No wonder I didn't see him out there. Um but he's doesn't feel like he's been in the closing lineup really in December. And that's something where he was like, he was pretty consistently getting close to like 35 minutes a game to start the year. And it feels like his role is kind of, uh, I mean, he's still getting a lot. He still, he played 25 minutes last night, but it it doesn't feel like he's the go-to guy down the stretch. It's clearly more difficult to assess this when so many guys are out. Um, But I think it, it doesn't, 
he doesn't make sense as a closing guy just because I don't think he's uh, good enough on defense. And if Peyton Pritchard can kind of provide you an offensive spark, obviously Dennis is better at attacking the basket. Dennis is uh, better at creating his own offense. But Pritchard, just with when he's being aggressive and kind of looking to score, I think he's pretty talented in terms of attacking the basket. I think he has pretty good playmaking. And then he's just – is he the best shooter on the team? Uh, at least from, like, kind of long distance, I think he's the best shooter. Uh, but I think that just giving that spacing to guys like Tatum, I think, will be super beneficial. And um, I hope they can trade Dennis. I don't know what – Teams really want Dennis. The thing is, like, they were able to get Dennis for the mid-level exception because no other team really wanted him. I don't know that for sure. I'm sure other teams were uh, dying to sign him for that same money. But he didn't really get a big contract, so I don't really know where, if he has a lot of value on the trade market right now. Yeah, see, I I think he's going to have some serious value because he's a guy making just $6 million who can make a difference somewhere. Like, you look at, let's say, the Nuggets, right? And I, I don't know what Jamal Murray's deal is. I don't know when he'll be back, when he'll be healthy. But they could use another playmaker. They could use another guy to go get buckets. Um, and you can do it without trading a lot of salary. So that that's why I think Schroeder will be in vogue. Um, because he can score, and he can help you, and he's tough, and he's feisty. And on top of that, it's not like you've got to unload $20, $25 million worth of salary. You can just do it for, like, just a guy making hardly anything. And so I know, but what teams are needed, like, point guard right now? I guess, like, I mean, all teams I mean, could kind of use some scoring boost off the bench, but, like, Dennis is a kind of a ball, ball hog, kind of a record scratch guy where, he, I don't know. There's not, like, a clear team where it's, like, I think Dennis is the obvious person – to add to their roster, to put them, like, over the top into the playoffs. It's like looking at the standings right now, there's no team that immediately stands out to me. Like, they're an obvious Dennis uh, placement. But what team is not a Dennis spot? (laughs) Ooh, you all flipped it on me there. (laughs) I look at most teams, and it's like, okay, maybe he's not a perfect fit. Um but like like the Hawks, like have him behind Trey Young, like that that could make a difference. If, what about the Nuggets? They certainly need help scoring the basketball. The Nuggets. I just said the Nuggets. Oh, I wasn't paying attention. Nuggets seemed like a good one. I'm gonna treat it like would it was you, my would idea. You, would you listen to me, God damn it. <laughs> I know you've been studying a lot. I know I know it was final season for you. Congratulations on that being done. Thank you, thank you. Hopefully you passed all your required tests and uh well no I, I just think there are a lot of teams that could use another ball handler another guy who can really get in the paint a guy who can really score um like would the mavericks want him could he play next to luca i know jalen brunson is one of their guys but like they need some more oomph they, they need some more guys who can go and get get offense create offense um Cool. Let me cool. guess, though. If so, if we if the Celtics are looking to trade Dennis, I'm going to ask you, what do you think they should be targeting in return? You're going to say a guy with some size who can shoot, maybe play backup power forward, uh, someone who is tough and um, maybe has some some NBA experience. Is that, I feel does like, that check all like, the boxes? I feel like Brad like Stevens has kind of tipped his hand to what he wants. Joe right, Johnson, like Joe Johnson, but eight years ago. No, but I'm saying the Celtics they they lost mostly big man. It was all fours and fives, and they went out and got two retired shooters and wings. You know, like I I'm pretty sure Brad is going to be in the market for a veteran wing. That is what he's going to want. He's going to want someone who can stand there and shoot and put the ball in the bucket and help make things easier for Tatum and Brown. And that's what they should be looking for. Because if if they do trade Schroeder, I, I don't know if it's even right to trade Schroeder. Um, he, I think if they're going to reach their ceiling this year, like he's a part of that. Um, 
they need to figure things out because they haven't scored very well when he shared the court with Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. And I think they've they've had some obvious fit issues with with those guys all on the court. But like he's still raises their ceiling. Um, Dennis does? Are we talking about the same Dennis Schroeder? Yeah. 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 He, he is he, not he, if he, he he is not on the court if you're like the last five minutes of a game you need to win. Like I would rather have Grant on the court than him. I'd rather go double bigs than play Dennis, just because I don't like he doesn't help you on defense. He basically like is a, a such a negative on defense because teams can just attack him. I just do, I think it ruins all your defensive versatility if Dennis is in your final five. So you so, are 100 percent on team trade Schroeder. Oh yeah, you, you've kind of been there all along. I've been there all along. He he got me off team trade Dennis for about two weeks when he had that like couple 30 spots, but I just don't think he's the best fit for what this team is. And like the, the Celtics identity is going to be hard nosed defense and uh, just basically, I think scraping by on whatever Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown can give you offensively. I know they're like Dennis might be adding, like he might give you some kind of that extra scoring, but then I think you just automatically take a hit with your defensive identity. And I just don't think that's like, worth giving up. I think there we saw Grant Williams kind of emerge as a, as a closer. I think he just makes more sense in terms of guy who can knock down threes in the corner uh, and guy who can switch on most things and, and just be a kind of larger physical presence than Dennis is. Dennis is can do many things on the basketball court. He's insanely fast, but it's not like he's physically intimidating anyone on uh, any team. That is yeah. true. All that is true. Uh, but if you trade Dennis Schroeder, who just has a few more months left on this contract and will probably be wanting a big contract, what are you going to get in return? Um, I don't think it would be a lot, but I think maybe like a late first, maybe some sort of like like playable veteran. Uh, I don't know. I'm just spitballing here. But and that, I I think I do think that the the question of whether they trade Schroeder is going to be a significant one, um, and I I do think there's an argument to move him, and I do think that Peyton Pritchard is part of that because they haven't been able to play those two guys together. They've refused to play those two guys together. Um, I think they played 38 minutes together all season. Almost all of those were right at the beginning, if I'm not mistaken. And so you've got this young guy, Peyton Pritchard, who will probably be with the team for a while unless he's traded. And you've got this other guy, Dennis Schroeder, who, because of his contract situation, the Celtics probably won't be able to keep beyond this season. If it was just for this year, yeah, you keep Schroeder, you want more talent, but they're 500. And... I don't see a realistic path to them making a really deep playoff run. And so what's the point of Schroeder? I've been, I've been saying that all along, my friend. What is the point of Schroeder? <laughs> what's the point of Schroeder? The thing that's uh, interesting is that, like, the East is pretty bunched up, but there is some separation that's being created right now where it seems like there's the top five teams, um, shockingly, the Cleveland Cavaliers have remained in that. And so it's the Nets, Bulls, Cavs, Heat, Bucks. We'll see what happens with the Bulls because uh, I guess a lot of their team has come back from COVID protocols, but they had to like cancel a bunch of games. But it seems like there's the top five. And then there's the Sixers just pulled ahead to that sixth spot. It's like, you're right. What is what is the point of Dennis? I think there's going to be a huge – like the Celtics are pretty much going to be fighting with those the rest of those teams, which are Sixers, Wizards. I guess Hornets and Celtics, I have faith that if they can pull it together, they could be the sixth best team in the Eastern Conference. But is like, what is, uh, maybe they can, like, I would, I think they would, could pull off a first round series win, but I just don't see this Boston Celtics team, uh, going to an Eastern Conference finals, uh, and, or winning in round two. Um, maybe if they ended up playing the Sixers, just because we all know, 
Uh, Joel Embiid can never win a round two series, no matter how good he is. But, and it's not that surprising. Like if you, I think if you asked uh, a lot of people before the season where this Celtics team would be in the East, I think most people would have said kind of in that middle range. Um, I think some people picked them to be maybe third or fourth. Probably I did with my uh, stupid optimism, but I certainly didn't see the Cavs or Bulls being this good. Um, so it's well, just like one- two. On top of the the surprise teams that have been really good, the Celtic we we still haven't seen what the Celtics can be because Jalen Brown has missed just about half the season. He comes back. Every single big man they have goes into health and safety protocols at the same time. And every team's dealing with it. The Celtics haven't necessarily dealt with it as well as other teams. But they were coming. They had a new coach. It was a rookie coach and still learning. And they had their training camp was disrupted by COVID to two of their best players. So I, I think it's just been a kind of a tough journey for this team. So we don't know what they can be. I'm not sure we're ever going to find out what they can be because it's a month and a half until the trade deadline. And will they, will they get everyone healthy at any point? Will they have an extended run where they get to see like, okay, what can we be if we bring Dennis Schroeder and Josh Richardson off the bench? And we're starting smart and Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum and Al Horford and Robert Williams like they wanted to. Like they haven't really seen that vision very often. So, I mean. And that's definitely like something you you cling to because they haven't been able to get that kind of the full vision. We talked a lot about the year, about how their depth would kind of be a strong suit for them. But they haven't really been able to put it together for all the reasons you mentioned just because of injuries and COVID and things like that. At some point though, like they either have to like win games despite injuries. Cause that's what good basketball teams do, or they just have to be healthy for a long period of time. Like it was against the warriors. Uh, they didn't have Dennis, but it, they did have like a uh, relatively most of their rotation. I thought like they looked pretty good with Pritchard. I thought Richardson did some good things off the bench thought they used Horford. Um, no, I guess Horford was out that game as well. No, Horford and Grant were out, but both this game. I'm so confused. Sorry, I've been in uh, studying for stuff. But is it even reasonable to expect them to get their, like, full roster for any period of games? Like, we've seen the Celtics over the past two and a half years. When have they ever been, like, fully healthy? And when is any NBA team, like, fully healthy for, a, like, a long two-month stretch? Well, I think even if they're not fully healthy, we've been able to see in plain view some of their very obvious weaknesses. They rank 23rd in three-point percentage right now. They are shooting 33.7% from behind the arc. That's worse than the Pelicans, who can't really shoot at all. It's worse than the Rockets, who don't even want to make shots. (laughs) They'd rather lose. It's worse than a lot of teams. Um, and and that's, that's kind of the issue they haven't been able to overcome to me. Now, I know the defense has kind of wavered a little bit recently. Well, that's uh, what happens when you play freedom for 40 minutes a game. That, that will be pretty destructive to your <laughs> defensive rating. Uh, but, but to me, like the shooting and the mixture of shooters – is just a real issue. And that's why moving Schroeder could actually, like, I don't even know if they'd trade Schroeder if they would, and even if they didn't get anyone back, if they would get any worse. Like, if you just give Pritchard and Aaron Neesmith and Romeo Langford and Josh Richardson those minutes, like, would they be significantly worse? And if, and if Brad Stevens decides the answer is no, then trade Dennis. Trade him. <laughs> trade him for... Whatever you can get, have a have an auction. Um, but if if the answer is actually they 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 think they're much better with Dennis Schroeder getting into the paint and creating plays and and doing that off the bench, 
which he's only played 10 games off the bench this whole season. He's supposed to be their sixth man, and because of injuries, he's been in the starting lineup. So he hasn't filled the role that they envisioned for him very often. Um, but but do you think they would be – I mean, obviously, I, I don't even know why I'm asking you because I know you're going to say they would not be much worse, if any worse, if they traded Dennis Schroeder. I, I just don't see how it makes a huge negative impact. Like, it's not like he's been – this savior on offense for when I guess Tatum goes to the bench. It's not like their bench scoring has been fantastic. He hasn't done like been that six man guy who comes in, uh, plays like he's played a lot more minutes than I thought he has just because of injuries. But I just like his, he's not been, uh, amazing. And so I just don't think it was going to be that effective. Even if you, if you, will grant the fact that he, is, I guess, is a more productive offensive player than Peyton Pritchard is right now, which I'm not willing to go fully there yet uh, because I still believe in PP. But I just think it's, like, marginal uh, what the, like, benefit Dennis gives you over Pritchard. And if – how many times have the Celtics just let a player walk and not got anything for him? Why not trade Dennis? Because I just don't think he's, like – the key to, oh, the Celtics are going to go on a deep run because Dennis Schroeder was their, like, awesome six-man. Like, I like if the Celtics go on a, a deep run in the playoffs, it's because basically their top five guys were healthy and Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown willed them there. Uh, and, not because, and they played great defense, which Dennis Schroeder is not helping you out on. And so I just don't think he's, like, the impact player. If you can trade him for a guy that's helpful – I'm all for it. If you just get a pick for him, I'm all for it. I just don't know exactly. Uh, I don't think he's a key cog to whatever the Celtics are doing. Whatever they're doing. <laughs> I'm not sure what it is, but I don't know if Dennis is key to it. Um, let's go to the uh, people waiting in, uh, in the waiting room. We're in the live athletic room app. Go to Richard D. Richard, thanks for waiting, and thanks for joining us here on Anything is Potable. Hey, guys. How we doing? Richard, how are you doing down there in South Carolina? Man, I'm doing great, doing great. I wanted to um, remember the first time I talked to you guys. I was, I was, I was kind of bitching about the, um, and kind of giving you an insight on. You would never bitch, Richard. Yeah, <laughs> about how, um, about how, um, when Aaron was younger, he was super athletic and never shot the ball, and he he would just like run over kids. And we finally said, "Look, you got to learn how to shoot the ball." And so on his NBA draft status, I was telling you, whoever the idiot's pulling out the card saying, you know, his lowest score was athleticism. Well, you saw the dunk the other night, right? Yeah, that was that was impressive. He was and that's all I'm saying. Like, I, that has nothing to do with production. has nothing. But, but it's there. That dude is a super incredible athlete. And, um, you know, who, who was, you know, now – I will be the first to say, you know, be careful what you ask for, right? He's done everything right. He waited his turn. He's played good in preseason. And he finally gets a start, and he shits the bed. And <laughs> and that, that was his plus minus was good, but he missed five shots, you know, the thing that everyone was counting on. So, you know, it is what it is. I, think, I do think he came back the next game and had a really nice little nice game against the Sixers. Tom McGinnis, the voice of Sixers, a really good friend of mine, has texted me during the game. He's like, man, your dude, Neesmith, can really play. Now, if you look at the box score, it, yeah, it was okay box score. He, he played nice. Um, but anyway, at the end of the day, it's, my whole point of this rambling, Jay and law student Sam, is that, <laughs> is that you know, he's still a kid. And so he gets in that game, and, you know, I remember the first time he started AAU. Like, it, it happens, right? Everyone's got these checklist moments. So, Yes, they make a lot of money. They're professional athletes, but there's still there's still things they haven't done before, and it's human nature to, you know, fight for something you get it, and 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 so, you know, that's why we call them veterans, right? That's why you 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 sign a Joe Johnson to come out there and show someone like Aaron and and uh, Langford and all that. How do you how do you score all three levels? How do you do certain things? How do you handle this situation? So. Anyway, that's what I got. The other thing is to add your conversation. I'd say I'd say trade Schroeder. I mean, come on. At the end of the day, 
at the end of, I don't dislike him as a player. I just think this this funky thing that he's doing with that dude and and with with Dennis and and Tatum and Brown, man, it ain't working. It's just not working. Like, who's gonna play defense? Yeah, yeah, they are. To me, it's more the offensive fit with those guys. They're all bucket getters, and nobody's really a table setter. And and Tatum does some of that sometimes, but but all of those guys are more so scorers. And and when they're together, the offense has been really really bad. The defense has actually been pretty good. Uh, <laughs> Goes against but, everything uh, I've been saying, but uh, but the offense has been bad. Um, and I I think part of that is learning how to play together. But I think also like with those guys, Dennis Schroeder is a tough fit because he's not a catch and shoot guy. He's not a guy who's going to space the court. He's not a guy who's going to make it easier for Tatum and Brown to get to the basket. He's a guy who needs the ball in his hands. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Discover the latest collections from David Yerman, as seen recently, styled on basketball stars like Jaime Jaquez, Jalen Green, D'Angelo Russell, and others. David Yerman is a celebrated American jewelry company inspired by the beauty of art, architecture, and the natural world. The story of David Yerman begins in New York City with David, a sculptor, and his wife, Sybil, a painter and ceramicist. When the artists began collaborating, their goal was to simply make beautiful designed objects to wear. Over 40 years later, the Yermans and their son, Evan, continue to redefine American luxury jewelry with timeless, modern collections for women and men defined by inspiration, innovation, consummate craftsmanship, and cable, the brand's artistic signature. David Yerman's collections are available on davidyerman.com. So, to the Neesmith stuff, yeah, that was, uh, he, he did have a... Good opportunity against the Knicks. Um, he's just got to make shots. And I, I think it obviously seems to be a confidence thing and something where in short minutes, it's really difficult to to make shots and be ready to make shots and know if you don't make shots, you might come out of the game. Even when he's starting, he probably feels that same way. So I, I trust that Neesmith will make shots at some point. Um, and when it comes, it's probably just going to come, you know, but – but it hasn't come yet. And until it gets to that point, I think it's going to be tough for him to earn minutes because even right now with so many guys out, so many guys in health and safety protocols, like the Celtics still have a lot of perimeter guys. Um, they still have Smart, Tatum, Brown. They've got Dennis Schroeder, Pritchard, who's played great lately, Romeo Lankford, who they've trusted with minutes. So there are a lot of guys he's competing against for, for a chance. Um, but he does have he does have some some really impressive moments. That that dunk, man, he was shot out of a cannon. He just he just raced by everyone. Um, so, what you got for us, Packers? I thought Neesmith was pretty good against the Warriors too. I mean, it, mostly saying that because he knocked down some shots and like I think no, he was definitely good versus the Warriors. Um, but I think it's like another reason to trade Dennis is like, why not give some minutes? I don't think like obviously Neesmith is going to inherit all 30 minutes that Dennis is getting, but it basically allows you to play Peyton Pritchard more and it allows you probably to play Neesmith and maybe Robia more. And I think it's just like it, you have more value long-term if you're developing these young guys rather than giving a lot of time to, uh, a guy on a one-year deal who's probably looking to get paid and not coming back to the Celtics next year. I think we've just seen enough that, like, I don't think the Celtics get demonstrably worse if they do trade Dennis. I mean, if, like, if they trade Dennis and the Celtics just immediately become, like, a, a sub-500 basketball team, I'll put my hand up and say I was wrong, and he was the only thing keeping them afloat. But, Backer, uh, 
They're already yeah. a sub 500 team. <laughs> Whoa. Well, then Dennis doesn't, isn't even <laughs> helping them at all. Let's go to uh, Jonathan R. right now. Jonathan, thanks for joining us on Potable. Hey, fellas. Um, I just want to say, I mean, last time Richard was on, he was talking about the low gators. And I just want to say two things. I got a plus and a minus for you. You're my minus. I want to say, I believe Ennis Cantor could maybe, maybe start the low gators, and that's maybe where he belongs. <laughs> okay? But I want to uh, be positive. Here's my uh, I love all the low gators. We must be the podcast that discusses the, the low gators. The <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, but here's my plus. I just want, as we're going into the holidays here, uh, what is something you believe that Coach uh, Ime is doing well so far? Because a lot of criticism here and there. I just want to hear from your from your takes. Like, what do you think that he's doing well? I think he's got buy-in. I think players, as hard as he's been on guys at times, including publicly, um, it seems like they like him. It seems like they're on board with what he's doing. Um, it seems like they've committed to the defensive part of it, most games at least. So I think there's buy-in there. Um, and I think the kind of hard nature that he presents a lot of the time, like we don't see, except he told us, <laughs> when, he, when he texts Jason Tatum and just says, thanks for how much work you put in, you know, stuff like that. Um, I, I think... It's, it's kind of been a tough mix, and I, I figured it would be a tough mix to figure out just because the lack of shooting. Shooting makes everything so much easier to figure out for, for coaches. Like, if, if you have tons of shooting, it's, it's so much simpler, but they don't, and so they just kind of got to try to squeeze out buckets, and, and I think he's done a pretty good job. I mean, obviously, there are some things he's, he's done wrong. Um, there are... Some situations he probably would have handled differently, but he's a rookie coach. And not only that, he's a rookie coach coming in for replacing a coach who was really good. Like he was really successful in his tenure as a summer yeah, yeah. coach. And so, so there were big shoes to fill. And even though last year was only 500, there were big expectations for this group too. And, and he's dealt with kind of a lot. So – I, I think he's done an okay job. Um, I think the offense, he's got to figure out how to how to get them scoring points. I think, you know, he, he talked about – he's talked about the pace a lot. Um, they haven't played very fast. They haven't. Um, they haven't utilized their athleticism probably enough. And part of that is they're playing two big lineups sometimes in the modern NBA. Um, but I just think – like there are ways that they could become a better transition team and thus a better offensive team, even if their half court offense doesn't really get much better. Yeah. I think the thing that Ime I've liked most from him is I think I, I, I also make fun of him for this, but I like him being a hardo. I do think it's like effective just in terms of, I like the fact that they had a really terrible end to that West coast trip and he gave them just tried to shame them with uh, uh, the longest video review session ever, just talking about lack of effort. And it seems like they responded pretty well with their best, um, I think, win of the season against Milwaukee. Uh, it seems like he's pretty fired up for uh, just his team. And, um, like, I love that he got a tech at the end of the first half of that Warriors game after Marcus Smart got called for that foul. Uh, it was pretty deflating, and probably the Warriors didn't need another point. And, you know, the Warriors ended up winning by four, so maybe those four points were pretty important. But the Celtics came out with, like, a new uh, energy and uh, just kind of focus there in the second half of that Warriors game. Um, obviously, I'm going to give Ime credit for that because I love uh, just crediting coaches' technical fouls for, you know, like, rejuvenating the team. But I do think him being, like, pretty hard on them, uh, it feels like they've responded well. And I don't know, maybe I would be thinking differently if I was able to watch the Philadelphia collapse. But there hasn't been – like, it's not, like, been lack of effort for this team or lack lack of fight. I know fans get pretty frustrated with, like, 
times in which the Celtics fall down big and then come back just to lose. Like, and it feels like they do that a lot. Uh, but I don't think there's ever there's been a, like a long period where the team has just not been uh, working hard on the defensive end. I think maybe you can say that uh, at the end of the West Coast trip, but then Ime uh, really tried to embarrass some of that film session. And so uh, I think the problem is just like what you said, the shooting. And I think he's done his best to try and kind of figure those things out. The interesting thing is like they are a sub 500 team right now, but. Like, I think the sign of a good coach is if your team improves as the season goes on. And we've clearly seen the Celtics started off pretty terribly, then stepped up their defense and now have fallen back and now are dealing with kind of injuries and everything. But season doesn't really start till Christmas. And it's like, will eBay be able to make the adjustments moving forward? I feel like he's made some adjustments. Like, I think he's like, I see a shift away from Dennis, like using Grant more. I like... If that's the kind of the, the show of, uh, of a good coach is someone who's able to kind of take in all the information that's happened in, I guess, the first third of the season and still make the adjustments to put his team in the best way to play. So maybe the Celtics are not a, a sub 500 basketball team for the rest of the way. It, it'll be I think it's interesting to see what he does, like as is uh, his first year as a coach. Like I think that's something Brad was very good at and Brad coached teams especially the kind of the pluckier underdog teams, where it's like they would always finish the year pretty strong. And it feels like Brad usually like had figured out like what his team did best and kind of put them in a position to win. It's going to be uh, interesting to see if Ime is able to do that and what adjustments he makes moving forward, assuming that like players come back and he has like kind of all the options to work with. Yeah. I think, I think my biggest issue with what he's done so far is probably how he's handled the, the young, like Peyton Pritchard, and Aaron Neesmith. And I think they've made it harder because they haven't always performed well. Um, And Brad made it harder because he built a team with Dennis Schroeder come off the bench um, as a small guard that kind of clashed with Pritchard and made made things difficult for Pritchard to get minutes. Um, Got Josh Richardson, kind of blocked some minutes from Neesmith, but like that, those guys to me, after what they did last season, deserved more leeway, and they didn't have any at the beginning of the season. And that was that's kind of been probably my biggest issue, especially for a team that needs more shooting. Um, like the shooters are there, they're just not playing, and when they do play, they're not confident because they're not playing most of the time. And it's kind of like a reciprocal thing where it's like he didn't give them enough leeway and then they didn't have enough confidence and like didn't do such good things with their minutes. So then he wasn't like, well, I don't want to play those guys. They're not giving me anything. And so it kind of gets worse. So I agree with you, but also it's like, if you're a first year head coach, are you going to go with the guys who are like established NBA players? Or are you going to go with the guys who are um, like a little bit less uh, proven? I think it kind of makes sense that he relied on them earlier. And I do, I think it's a, better adjustment now it's very small but we've seen Pritchard kind of like get more of a chance recently um and maybe we'll see that with Neesmith and Romeo but um I don't know the Celtics have a a pretty big matchup tonight against the the Cleveland Cavaliers who have one of the better defenses uh in the league it's going to be interesting to see what they do and try to score points I hope Joe Johnson plays I hope we get some CJ Miles um it's just fun it's just it's wild um I do have to give a shout out to Joe Johnson. Uh, Joe Johnson is the best person, most talented person I've ever played pickup basketball with. Uh, one year at Summer League, hanging out with, uh, of course, my main man, Nick Friedman, and he got to, he was like training the, the Pargo twins. Um, and so we went off to like some random high school gym in Las Vegas. Uh, and I was just there to kind of like hang out. Joe Johnson all of a sudden rolls in and like the Pargo stopped doing drills and uh, they just want to run pickup. And I ended up being the 10th guy on the team. I ended up being on Joe Johnson's team and we ran Nick Freeman and the Pargos out of the gym. It was fantastic. I w- it was one of the most enjoyable times I've ever had playing basketball. So I will always have a soft spot in my heart for ISO Joe. Uh, ISO <laughs> Joe. That, that's great. I, I know you love telling that story, so I'm glad Brad Stevens gave you another reason to do it. He is 40 years old. <laughs> it's wild. Big he three MVP. 40, 40. He has not played in the NBA since 2018. 
is a week away, a week and a half away from 2022. It has been a long time for my man Joe Johnson. It has what been. A bad and trade that was when they moved him away. It was one of Rick Pitino's finest moves. Um, uh, in honor of Joe Johnson, we are bringing back the potable six pack. And Jay, this was your idea. What are what, what are the players we're picking? What is the the pool of a uh, of guys we're picking for this uh, potable six pack? Just guys who the Celtics. We're just picking, yeah, random random names who we hope that the Celtics pick up. Do they have to have because played for the Celtics, or is it just like random anyone who's oh, ever no, played basketball? Oh no, this is just anyone from NBA history. Uh, all right. And also, this is the first time we're doing this, so I don't know how it's going to work. But if you have any ideas, raise your hand. You can hop in for the potable six-pack. Um, I have my number one pick in mind, but Jay... Go for it. You, you got the number one pick. Oh, it's obvious. The dancing bear. Gershon Yabusele. <laughs> the guy's a joy. What do you mean how it's obvious? You said you wanted one guy back on the team you want to see playing Celtics basketball. It's Yabu. I mean, hitting bow and, out, bow and arrow dabs after making threes. Uh, just a, a wonderful personality. The problem is, is that there's a lot of guys who are playing overseas right now that could probably, you know, be more helpful to NBA teams than someone like 40-year-old Joe Johnson. But because of this whole global pandemic thing and there's no travel, uh, guys like Yabu are not going to get that option. Um, but he was the obvious number one. Yabu yeah, yeah. was averaging 12 and 5 and shooting 53% from the field, 38.6% from the three-point arc, and 87% from the free-throw line. Salute to Yabu on a legitimate team, Real Madrid, where I believe he plays with Vincent Poirier, which is just fantastic. Um, so that, that was that was a worthy number one pick. I... I think Kevin Garnett has to be the next pick. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's a little more obvious than Yabu, maybe. <laughs> I, he has been retired. Is it less time than than Joe Johnson? When did when did I guess? No, it's not not less time. But he's like he looks like he's still in good shape. I know he could do a better job on Joel Embiid and the 76ers to this day than Ennis Freedom. So. I think I, and even if he didn't, just having KG in the building to to guide Tatum and Jalen for ten days, just just a ten day contract via the hardship exception, could make a difference. KG, uh, not uh, a not a bad first pick. Um, I've got I'll, I'll give you that. <laughs> Makes me feel a little silly that I went with Yabu number one, but um, let's see what, what Jonathan done. R has. Uh, for I didn't even have KG on my list, but while we were talking, I was just like, you know, I, I gotta. <laughs> I got to throw him in there. Katino Mobley would be my next. Ooh, that's a good one. Because he's, he's one of those random guys who just continues to play basketball. I think he's been in the big three, sort of like Joe Johnson, where he just never gave up the game, even though he's been out of the NBA for a long time. He has like this – he looks very old now, kind of looks like Uncle Drewish. But he's oh, he's got the white got hair? It. But he's still got it, yeah. So – I think it would be it would be fun to see Catino Mobley <laughs> plus Catino Mobley, Joe Johnson, and and CJ Miles would just be just be quite a crew. Uh, let's go to Jonathan R. He gets the fourth pick in the oh, potable wow, six wow. pack. It's it's I, I gotta say it's a really tough pick. Celebrity it's, shot. I was I was hoping to maybe pull off you know that we we got the Joe Johnson like drafted and traded maybe we do like you know, get John, uh, Chauncey to quit uh, coaching and come <laughs> over and play like that early. You know what I'm saying? But yep. I mean, Gerald, Gerald Green is just working as a development coach. He's only 35. You know, I'm sure he could, you know, we've seen him, you know, explode unexpectedly in other 10 years. Like, let's let's see what he's got in the tank. The like bounce that. is real with Gerald. I think that's an excellent pick. He, he, he could he probably actually play. still play. Like, most of the guys I put on my list just would – should not be anywhere near the NBA, which is kind of how I feel about like Joe Johnson and CJ Miles. I don't know how much they have left, but Joe Johnson, like it's been years, years, years. He is 40 years old. CJ Miles, like he's just been out of the league. I'm not even sure he was, I know he was on the G League at night, but for like a day or two before the Celtics signed him, 
Like, these are just truly wild times. Gerald, Gerald is almost too good. Like, Gerald, Evan <laughs> another one in kind of the Gerald category, where he, he could probably give some minutes to the Celtics as well. I, th- I still think that um, Joe Johnson's going to have a better shot than any of those guys, though. I think if you're just looking for pure shooting, Joe Johnson uh, is one of the better options. Uh, for my is pick, Joe Johnson going to be out there, like, if he does get in the game? Is he going to be out, like, really trying to get buckets, like, just post up guys, just, just going one-on-one? I hope so. I hope they clear game. out for him. If Tatum goes to the bench, and it's just like, all right, our bench scoring is going to be ISO Joe. You either space the floor or you rebound, um, but let's let Cook ISO Joe Cook. Just let Just, him cook. Just let. Well, it's not like they can run plays for him. It's not like they're going to be like doing some elaborate offenses. Just like let ISO Joe be ISO Joe. Let, let ISO, ISO Joe cook. cook. My next pick. Speaking of a guy, you should let cook. Famously, uh, an Eastern Conference Player of the Week. Jordan Crawford, oh, come on down. Oh, 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 that's a good pick. That's a good pick. Oh, that's a good pick. I, I'm I'm sad I didn't. Because you know, he was, like, obsessed with basketball. I'm True sure Hooper. True Hooper. Like, like, no, like, not necessarily like, winning. Right, right? <laughs> like, he wasn't, he wasn't obsessed with, like, doing all of the, like, drills, I don't think. But as far as, like, playing basketball, that guy loved it. Like, he's probably still in a – gym somewhere playing like eight hours of pickup per day would be my guess so that that is a good good pick um that i i mean i'm i'm do you have one or should we go to scott b to see what he's got let's go to scott b to finish it out all right scott you got the final six pick in the potable six pack hey guys how we doing good Uh, jordan crawford's a great pick the triple double machine but with my pick i'd have to go with the guy who claimed to be an offensive player while playing for Doc Rivers, which is a bold claim, and that's Vaughn Wafer. Oh, wow. Vaughn Wafer. Didn't he miss a dunk and celebrate it at one point? Yeah, and then he hit Jermaine O'Neal and knocked that out of bounds. I'll that's never forget. Exactly <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That was incredible. Oh, Thanks, yeah. guys. Yeah, that, that was one of the most disastrous missed dunks. Of all time, I'm gonna actually look it up while we're still podcasting. I love the Von Wafer pick. It's a great pick, and it reminds me of someone honorable mention, Ricky Davis. I mean, why are we not getting Ricky Davis out here hooping? Uh, I think that would be fantastic stuff. Um, other people on my list, honorable mentions, uh, the two da- two hand dunking machine, Brandon Bass. Um, I also have Vitaly Potapenko on my team. Um, He's probably like 50. I don't know how old, but uh, with a name like Vitaly Potapenko, uh, I'm never going to forget that. And then I was my one of the most random people I could get. <laughs> I had Omri Caspi. <laughs> Omri Caspi could hoop. Omri Caspi. Um, Milt Palacio. Milt Palacio. Wasn't he a coach for a team? Sure. Why not? He was really – so I just pulled up the moment. He was really posing, like looking at the cameras, <laughs> posing, and then turned, turned back around and just ran straight into Jermaine O'Neal and knocked the ball out of his hands for a double dribble. Just incredible. I, I it, think it's it, overtime, no less. It was in overtime? In overtime, no less, of a two-point game. I think it was one of those games, like, at the end of the year – when it didn't really matter, but what a moment! I mean, oh, that that's was just a majestic missed dunk. He he was really just just out there, just stunned. <laughs> um, who else did I have on my list? I had JJ Hickson. Don't ask me why Ooh. he just came came to mind as as a random hooper. Rajah Bell. Rajah Bell was uh, was a was a player on those those Sun teams. Yeah, and he fits the mold of guys that Brad has been looking for, like guys with size who can shoot a little bit. Um, I, th- I think Rajah's worth a call. Damon Stoudemire looks like he's in shape, too. He might be ready. Yeah, I, I didn't realize that Damon Stoudemire and Ime were like best friends since – or like close friends since uh, early childhood or like at least played AAU together. Uh, yeah, yeah. 
that the Himmelsbach story on profile of Ime was a uh, was pretty good. I know you, I know you didn't get any thanks for shouting it out, um, but um, I'll, I'll do it uh, and see if what Adam says. So I know he's uh, was getting very liberal throwing out the thanks for that article. Did they, yeah, that was, that was a really good piece by my guy Himmelsbach. Um, it's true. Um, any, the only other guy I have on my list is a real wild card because uh, he doesn't even play basketball. But I, w- I was thinking Willie Mopena might be worth a call. I want to see what he's doing these days. <laughs> he's a big man. <laughs> he's a giant dude. Um, man, he could sock a dinger. Man, he could not hit a curveball. But, you know, I think I think it'd be interesting to see what Willie Mopena is up to. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think we can go anywhere else from here. Uh, yeah, I mean, will, if Willie Mo Pena is potable, then anything is potable. Well done. Well done. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.